Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. I just feel like nothing else needs to be done now. Ready to go home. The praise of the Lord is so powerful. Amen. Well, today we are going to be continuing the faith series. How many of you have been blessed by the faith series so far? Amen. God is good. You know, um, today we're looking at one of the most famous stories of faith in all of the Bible, and that is the story of Abraham. And uh, Abraham is really uh, kind of one of the quintessential examples of faith in the Old Testament. And uh, the Bible continually refers back to Abraham as the father of faith. And so today uh, we're going to look at kind of the, the first, um, really the first test of Abraham's faith. This is the, the moment where faith was really made real for him. And, um, but before we get into all that, I, uh, I wanted to just read the definition so that we could kind of frame our conversation and understand what we're talking about when we say faith. The first definition, and we've been using these definitions, Pastor Toledo's been using these definitions for the entire series. Uh, I want to encourage you to commit them to memory. They're just so good. The first one is this. Faith is a confident expectation in the presence, power, and provision of the unseen God. So really, it's faith in the person of God. It's faith in his character. And the second one is absolute belief and trust in the command of God. And this is faith in the word of God. And today, we're gonna be focusing primarily on faith in the command and the word of God. You know, how many of you like receiving commands? Yeah, amen, me too, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm glad you're honest today. That's good. Yeah, receiving commands can be difficult sometimes, right? Receiving commands can be hard. And, you know, um, I know that following the rules can sometimes be a hard thing as well. And, 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 and certainly when you don't fully understand and you don't know what's happening. And so, you know, as I was thinking about this, I was, um, I was thinking in, in real estate, there's this, there's this thing called an escape clause. Does anyone know what an escape clause is? Okay. So an escape clause is this. It's a clause, any clause, term, or condition in a contract that allows a party to that contract to avoid having to perform the contract. So if an agreement was drawn up for the sale of a house, for example, the purchaser could include some kind of escape clause in the contract which will allow him to escape from the contract without being liable for breach of contract. So what does that mean? That means that basically when you go to put an offer on a house, you can essentially put in a clause that's called an escape clause and say, I uh, commit to purchasing this house if you accept my offer as long as the construction is not more than what I expected. Or I commit to buying this house if you accept my offer as long as my business partner agrees. They just don't know that your business partner is your seven-year-old son at home. <laughs> so a, an escape clause is something that you put in there so that you're not tied down to the commitment. And um, sometimes 
people do this in real estate to kind of just see if that person will bite or whatnot. But the point that I'm trying to make is that a lot of the times we as believers, we come to God and we think that we're coming to the negotiation table. We think that he's coming with a contract and then we give a, a response offer. But how many of you understand that that's not how God works? Some of us, we have escape clauses on our obedience. God, I'll obey you if it doesn't cost me too much. God, I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll, I'll go and I'll take this step of faith as long as you give me a clear prophetic vision from heaven of exactly what I'm supposed to do. God, I'll do what you ask me to do as, as long as it makes sense to me and I can, I can understand what you're doing from beginning to end. If I, if I can get that, then I'll do what you're asking me to do. God, I'll, I'll obey you if my family and friends line up with it. If they, if they agree with it just like you agree with it, if I run it by them and they feel about it the same way you do, then we're okay, we'll do it. But when we come to God, we can't come with an escape clause. We have to come and we have to say, God, you write the contract and I'll sign it. You, you're the one that calls the shots. You're the one that makes the determination. We don't have bargaining power with the Lord. It's either you obey or you don't obey. When God calls us, and I knew that this was gonna be a quiet day, it's all right, it's all right. Just be released, okay? Be released from saying amen. Actually, no, that's not true. I still want you to say amen, even if you don't feel it, okay? You just, just to encourage me, all right? Amen, thank you, so, so blessed. All right, so when, when, you, when you come to God, we have to come with a different kind of expectation. You see, society today, we work with each other in a certain, on certain terms. And no one here raised their hand and said, I like being told what to do. And you know what? It's true, we don't like it. And so sometimes when we come to God, there's things in our life that are broken and they're messed up and they're headed the wrong direction and they continue in the wrong direction because we're not willing to submit and just say, God, whatever you say, I'll obey. But the story that we find here is that Abraham showed us a different kind of faith. He showed us something that is way different. This faith is something that is, it doesn't matter what's going on around it, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, the faith that Abraham showed was a faith that says yes, no matter what. You see, because true faith always obeys. Amen. True faith always obeys. True faith always says yes to the command and to the will of God because faith says, God, I trust in who you are. I trust in your promises, your provision, right? I trust in the command. I trust in everything that you say and everything that you are. And so God, when you ask me to do something, I'll do it. So let's look at this passage together. I wanna to give you a little bit of context. Basically the story that this passage is referencing 
was when Abraham was in a place called Haran. It was outside of the promised land. And God came to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to pick up all your people, all your belongings, all your possessions, and I want you to go to a land that I will show you. He didn't say where, he didn't say what, he just said, pick it all up and I want you to go. Now what's interesting is that this is the first time that we see in scripture, and I don't know if this is the case, but it's the first time that we see God actually speaking to Abraham. I don't know if it was the first time, but this is the first time that we see in the Bible. And so when we see Abraham picking up and going, we see him saying okay to something that doesn't have any sort of precedence before. So Abraham is now picking up his family, all of his belongings, and he's heading to a place that he doesn't know. So I want us to turn in Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says this. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went, listen to this, he went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by, everyone? For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Jesus, we ask right now for you to open up our hearts. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place to come and have your way, to come and to teach us. You said in your word that you would reveal all truth to us. We pray, reveal truth to our hearts and our minds. Give us a revelation of who you are so that we can change the way that we live. God, we need your grace today. And we pray, oh God, Lord, that everything that's spoken about in this message, oh God, Lord, would be, oh God, something that we can implement and act out in our life. Lord, we know that we can't do it in our own strength or in our own ability, so we pray, Holy Spirit, send your power right now to us, even as we listen, that we might listen with ears that believe that we can carry out what you have asked us to do. So God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of my message today is What Faith Doesn't Need in Order to Obey. What Faith doesn't need in order to obey. You see, oftentimes we think that there's a lot of things that we put in place so that we will obey, but God shows us in this passage, he says, you know what, you don't need anything in order to obey, and I wanna show you that here. And so I wanna show you a couple things that Abraham didn't need in his life, and my prayer is hopefully that we will see if there's any area in our life that we need to adjust so that we can obey. You know, before I go any further, there's a temptation with this, with this uh, sermon today. And the temptation is to um, hear this sermon and realize how good it is for someone else. Today, I want you to listen and not think about anyone else, but just think about you and your heart before God. 
We can apply it to the other people later, okay? <laughs> but today, right now, just say, God, is there areas of my life where you need to uproot things that I was holding on to, things that I was believing? Amen? So here we go. The first thing that we see in this path passage is that faith doesn't need details. Faith doesn't need details. Look at the passage here. It says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave, to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. This is, imagine you go to work Monday, your boss comes in and says, good news, we're gonna be transferring you and your family out of state. You're like, great, what state? Don't worry about it. We got it all squared away for you, you're gonna love it. You're like, no, I know I'm headed to the middle of like Indiana or something. This is not good. You know, it's like, I, I don't know what's happening right here. If you're from Indiana, no offense. I know that there's great places there, but I'm talking about the bad places. Anyways, so we, you, you get, whenever you hear something like that, if you don't know what's coming, then you automatically assume the worst, right? Or maybe, I don't know if you're like me, but when we get in the car and let's say we're going to eat somewhere, maybe you get in the car and you say, all right, so uh, where are we going to eat? And somebody says, oh, you know what? Let's just start driving. We'll figure it out on the way. I'm always like, nope. <laughs> where are we going to eat first? Because I can't think about two things at once. And especially when I'm hungry, I can't think about anything. So let's just decide where we're going so that we can get there, right? When, when, when someone says, just go, and it's open-ended, and you can't line up the plan A, B, C, D, E, when you can't line everything up and it doesn't make sense to you, our natural inclination is to say, pump the brakes, stop, don't move forward until there's a clear path forward. How many of you are detail-oriented around here? God bless you. I'm not. I, I wish that I was more detail-oriented, and so do all the people around me, but I, I, uh, I, I'm not like that, but I know that it doesn't matter if you're detail-oriented or not. Everybody wants to at least know what the plan is. Everybody wants to know, so what's happening next? So where are we going next? You know, kids, kids prove this to you all the time. I, when I get in the car, a lot of the times I know my kids are in the back, right? And they're saying, hey, daddy, where are we going? I'm like, oh, we're going to go to the park. Oh, which park? Is it the wood chip park? Is it the, the, water, the water park? Is it the, the rubber mat park? Is it the green park? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Don't worry about it. It's a park. You're going to have a great time. There's too many questions. I can't answer everything. I just, I gotta get there, right? And sometimes we're like children because we don't put all the pieces together. We start to doubt if it's gonna be good, if we're gonna like it, if it's something that we want. But God says, don't worry, let me drive. I, trust me, when we get there, you're gonna have fun. But we have to be willing to wait and not know in the moment what's gonna happen next. Praise the Lord, what, a, what an amazing feeling to not know what's gonna happen next. You know, God doesn't owe us an explanation.
God doesn't owe us an explanation because we're not the ones that make the determination if we say, well, I'll go if I like the plan. God says, no, I want complete obedience whether you know the plan or not. And if you know the plan and you don't like it, I still want obedience. This is such an encouraging message, isn't it? Praise the Lord. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes it's good to hear the things that our heart needs. Sometimes when I talk to my kids, they, there's, there's certain conversations that I have with them that I don't necessarily want to have, but I know I need to have it with them because I love them and I don't want them to go off. And you know, my, my heart for you today is that God has incredible things in store for you. He has amazing miracles and incredible things that God wants to do in your life. But in order to be able to see amazing miracles, there has to be amazing obedience. We have to follow the plan and the path of God in order to be able to see the, the fruition of what God wants to do come about fully in our life. So, you know, I, um, when I was growing up, I had, a, I had a really good relationship with my dad. My dad, he was a, he was a, I had a great dad. He loved me, he cared for me, and we, we had a good relationship. We would, you know, joke with each other, and we had a, uh, just a, I would talk to him, he would talk to me, we would, we would, uh, we had a, a casual relationship, but a good relationship, and it was, it was healthy. And so, um, I remember being a teenager, and my dad was a, a military, he was in the military, and he had been in for a long time, so he was somewhat of a high-ranking officer, I guess you could say, and uh, he he had been in since Vietnam, so he'd been in for a long time. And um, so I remember this strange thing because we, we were walking on the base and he came and I remember him walking through the grocery store and everywhere that he would walk, when someone of a higher rank walks before you, you always salute. And then they salute back. And so everywhere we were going, my dad was getting these salutes. And I remember going to his office. And as we went into the office, he would say, okay, I need you to do this, and I need you to do this, and I need you to do this. And guess what the response was? It was, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I'm on that. I'll, I'll get that to you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, that'll be on your desk in you know, such and such a time. And, and I was like looking around, I'm like, wow. It's not like this at home, <laughs> you know? This is interesting, you know? And I, and, I, and I looked at him and I was like, man. And I got to thinking, I'm like, you know, my dad, he, he's, a, he's a good old southern boy. And uh, he would make us say, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Anybody grow up saying that? Okay, I thought I was, yeah, okay, some of you. Okay, so I, I, I grew up saying, yes, sir, no, sir. And so I, I remember thinking to myself, you know, it's interesting because I have a good relationship with my dad. I love my dad. I'll joke around with my dad. I'll even make fun of my dad sometimes. And, you know, we have a good, we, have, we, we, we banter back and forth. But it comes, there comes to a point where when we're at home, my dad can say to me, David, I want you to do this. And my response is, my response is, yes, sir. 
Because even though I have a loving, intimate relationship with my father, it doesn't give me permission to disobey him because I feel like I'm close to him. Sometimes when we, when we feel close, there's a familiarity that comes about. And all of a sudden we think, well, it's, uh, you know, I'm good in so many areas. It's cool if it doesn't really line up right here. You know, this area of my life, it's, I know that it's not perfect, but I mean, I'm trying to serve God. I love God. I pray and I do all these different things. But this one area, it's, it's okay because, man, God's grace is good. And you know what? God's grace is good. God's grace is really good, but we don't want to take advantage of that because our responsibility is to say, yes, God, whatever you say, I'll do it. You know, obedience is a funny thing. Sometimes we can convince ourselves that, you know, the only thing that matters is in the heart. Well, God knows my heart, we say. And it's true. God does know your heart. The question is, do you know your heart? Because the Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so when we say, God, he knows my heart, oftentimes what we mean is, God, I'm good in so many different areas. Does this really matter? You know that I'm, that I'm, that I'm trying to do the right thing. But here's the thing that proves if your heart is in the right place. Do you know what it is? Obedience. And do you know what faith looks like? It looks like saying, God, whatever you say to me, I'll do it. Some of you, maybe you've been called to ministry. And you're like, well, God, when I get enough in my bank account to retire, then I'll join the ministry. God, you know, maybe, maybe you're in a relationship here and you know that that relationship is not healthy. You know that you're not supposed to be dating an unbeliever. And you're like, well, God, I know that this is not necessarily right in line, but they do go to church every once in a while. And I even heard them talk about God once. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be good. And God says, hold the phone. Listen, I'm looking for you to say, do you believe that I'm going to take you to the place that's going to bring blessing to your life? Because if you believe that, then you'll obey me today. Even when the circumstances don't seem to line up with that, even when the things in your life, they don't seem to, you don't want to necessarily go that path, God says, I want you to obey. You know, faith does not require logical conclusions. Some of us have said no to God so many times because it doesn't make sense. Oftentimes, God will ask you to do something that doesn't make sense to your friends, to your family, to anyone around you. It doesn't make sense to you. God, you want me to give 10% of my income? What are you talking about? That's crazy. My family's gonna think I'm nuts, and my, this is not gonna go well. I, I'm, I'm having a hard enough time paying my bills right now. And you, the, what, but God says, hey, just don't worry about it. Just obey me and I'll show you how good I am. We want to see, amen, praise God. We want to see the miracles of God, but we don't want to take the steps of faith. We want to see God break through in our life, but we're not willing to wait in the midst of discomfort. Listen to this. Faith doesn't need comfort. Faith doesn't need comfort. 
Listen to this. And even when he reached the land God had promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. How many of you like camping? Me neither. You know, I, I should take that back. I like camping when there's a cabin and a kitchen and a bed, you know? <clears throat> That's the best kind of camping. Because we live in Chicago, if there's tr more than like five trees around, that's camping. <laughs> but you know, I, camping is one of those things, I actually have a special gift when it comes to camping. You know what it is? I can actually change the weather. The only thing is I can only change it in one direction. I can only make it rain. Every time I go camping, it rains. We set up the tent, sure enough, it's like, you know, it doesn't matter what the forecast says. If I'm going camping, it's raining. I feel like I should probably go to places where there's no rain and I should go camping there because I'm telling you, it's for sure. And you know, sometimes when you're in a tent, there's something that happens because a lot of the times, and I, I love camping for like the fun, like the fire time, you know, sitting around the fire doing the s'mores, and I like the, you know, the food that you cook when you're camping. It, so there, there's some fun parts to it. I like, you know, running around the woods with my kids. That's a blast. But the sleeping in the tent part, that's the part that's not so enjoyable. You know, my kids, they do aerobics while they're sleeping. I don't know, I don't know how they get any rest because as they're sleeping, there's, um, they're doing like cartwheels and they're kicking me and their, their hands are coming into my face and it's like, it's a real exciting experience. But when you're camping, there's something that happens. When you're living in a tent, you know why you live in a tent is because you're about to pick it up and you're about to go somewhere else. It's makeshift. It, it's something that it doesn't stay around for a long time, right? You don't plan on camping for the rest of your life. Praise the Lord. You don't plan on that because you're living in a tent. But Abraham, God says, Abraham, I want you to go. And guess what he did? He lived in a tent. His son lived in a tent. His grandson lived in a tent. In fact, you know what? They didn't start living in houses until, the, until Israel had a, 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 a drought and a famine and all of the people went to uh, Egypt. That's the first time that we see the people of Israel living in houses. And it wasn't until the Exodus where they left slavery, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and came to the promised land that they began to build houses in the promised land. You know what? I want to tell you something. Sometimes God will call you to go to a place that is inhabited by the enemy. And he will say, I want you to set up your camp right in the middle of the enemy. Because I am going to give that place to you. I'm going to show you that even though you're in the middle of darkness, I'm going to make that place light one day. Sometimes God will have you inhabit the places where the enemy surrounds you. Sometimes God, he puts you in uncomfortable situations. Situations where you say, I'm not supposed to be here. But God says, 
it doesn't seem like you're supposed to be there, but I'm planting you like a seed in the ground. And even though they can't see the tree that's coming up, I have a plan. God, he wants us to be in places where we're taking steps of faith and we're saying, God, even though my family doesn't believe in you yet, God, I'm staying right here. I'm praying for them. I'm believing. Even though they're walking around and there's all craziness around me, God, I know that you're faithful. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to believe. Some of you are in a place and God is saying, hey, you're single and it's a struggle and, and, and you're saying, God, this is uncomfortable. I don't want to be in this place. And you're, you're, you're going to places to try to, to, try to find uh, something to satisfy the loneliness that you feel. And, and you're doing things outside of the way that he wants you to do it. And you know it's not right, but it doesn't feel comfortable. And so you're like, God, what am I supposed to be single for the rest of my life? And God is saying, just trust me. I have something in store for you, but you have to allow yourself to be uncomfortable. You know, the way that you feel should not be the dictator in your life. If you feel something, it doesn't matter if it goes against the command of God. Your feeling has to bow its knee to the command. You know, there's so many times where we make decisions based on the tension and the, the discomfort that we feel, but I've got news for you. Here's how faith works. Faith is not faith unless there's pain, discomfort, unless there's a promise that's unfulfilled. Faith is not faith if you're walking and everything is solved and everything is set in order and there's a perfect plan. Faith is saying, God, in the midst of my discomfort, in the midst of my struggle, in the midst of something that seems totally unfulfilled, that seems to fly in the face of what you've spoken to me, God, in the middle of that moment, that's what I'm going to say. God, I believe in you. I trust that you have a plan that supersedes the moment that I'm living in. I know that your promises never fail, that your word never fails. Some of you are in a place today and your comfort is being rattled and you're being shaken. Your family is saying to you, what are you doing? You know, Abraham had to leave his family. His family probably said, don't, where are you going? This is your home. Where are you going? Um, I'm going to find out when I get there. What? You're going to find out when you get there? Yeah, God told me. God told you? God spoke to you. Yeah, God spoke to me, and he told me when I go to this land, I'll know, and he's going to tell me when I get there. So you're going to leave everything that you know, everything that, you, that you're around, and, and you're going to leave that because you believe that God is going to bless you. That's right. I believe that God is going to bless me. Well, you're crazy, Abraham. And Abram... At the time, Abram, he says, you know what? I'm picking everything up and I'm going. Because faith is not about following a plan. It's about following a person. And Abraham says, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't have all the answers. It's not all lined up. This is not comfortable for me. This is not something that I really appreciate. But it doesn't matter because if you said so, God, then I'll obey. And I'll say, yes, God. I'll obey. I'll have faith to believe that 
where I am right now is not gonna be the end of the story. You know, about two weeks ago, I had the opportunity, two, three weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go to Lebanon. And uh, while I was in Lebanon, we were able to visit some of our missionaries from Syria, or one, I should say one of our missionaries from Syria. And um, uh, his name's Pastor Gamal, and he ministers there. And we're gonna actually share a little bit more uh, about that trip on uh, Tuesday night at the prayer meeting. So I wanna encourage you to come out and hear some amazing stories. But um, as we were talking, he, he brought some of the believers from, from, the, from, their, from their church there. And um, one of the women said, you know, my husband gave his life to the Lord. And I, uh, I, when, I, when I started to come around, at first I was just angry. I was just very upset at him because when he gave his life to the Lord, that meant that I had to change all sorts of things about, about my life. You see, because in Syria, it's a little bit different. On your ID card, it actually it writes down what, um, what faith group you're in. So if you're a Christian, it has Christian. If you're a Muslim, it has Muslim. And it's illegal for you to change that. It's also illegal for a Muslim to marry someone that is a Christian. And so a Christian cannot find a spouse inside of a Muslim community. And it's very cloistered. There's, there's Muslim communities and then there's Christian communities and they don't necessarily mix very much. And so this woman who was in um, a, a community of actually Druze, she was there and as she was in this community, it was very strict community and a very, uh, um, very oppressive community. And before she was going to get baptized, she said, all of a sudden, this incredible fear hit me, and I said, no, I can't do this. You see, because you have to understand, if, if she made a decision to follow Jesus, what happens is her family is gonna reject her. Her business partners are not going to wanna do business with her anymore, so now her livelihood is going to go down the drain. Not to mention her children, who are now young, young girls, she says, my girls will not be able to marry if I become a Christian. Because no good Muslim man will want to marry daughters of a Christian. And so she was standing there before she was getting baptized. And she wasn't nervous about what people would think. She was nervous and scared about all of the repercussions of what it meant to be a Christian where she was. And she said as she was standing there with fear, she says, all of a sudden the presence of God came and he filled my heart with faith and he encouraged me and he says, you know what? I don't know why, but I'm gonna do it. I'm just gonna say yes. And so she obeyed God, she got baptized. Now her and her husband are leading a church of 150 people. They're seeing people get, come to Jesus and you know what? What's incredible to me is that, you know what? She didn't know in that moment that God was gonna call her to not only see her saved and her family saved, but an entire community saved so that her daughters can find a husband. So that the people that she wants to do business with, so that there's now a community of people that are willing to work with her. You see, God has everything planned. He's got everything stored away. There's enough blessing for you on the other side of faith, I promise. You just have to be willing to say, God, whatever you ask me to do today, I'll say yes. 
God, if you ask me to do something, you ask me to take a step of faith, it doesn't matter if I'm in discomfort today. God, I know that if you ask me to do it, you're gonna, you're gonna give me the grace to do it. You're gonna give me the strength to say yes. Now, maybe you're here today. You're like, Pastor David, I've been running away from the plan of God for my life because I'm afraid of what God is gonna ask me to do. Or maybe today you want what God has for you, but you're like, man, I've made so many mistakes. I've disobeyed God so many times willingly. It wasn't like on accident. It was like, man, I meant to do it. I knew what I was doing and I did it wrong. And, and you've done it so many times. Can I tell you something? Abraham, who, who's been called the father, our father of faith, right? He's like the, 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 the one that, that we look to as an example of faith. Can I tell you something about Abraham's life? Did you know later we find in Abraham's story that he was afraid of the kings that were in the land that God told him to go to? And so you know what he did? He says, my wife is beautiful. And if they see my wife, they're going to kill me so that they can have my wife. So he told his wife, he's like, just say that you're my sister. And so the king of the land, sure enough, said, oh, she's beautiful. I want to have her. And so Abraham gave up his wife. This is after the promise. This is after the obedience. This is after he said yes, and he went. And guess what? God came to that king and he says, hey, what do you think you're doing? He said this to the king. What do you think you're doing? I'm gonna, there's a plague on you. If you don't give this woman back, she's a married woman. He's like, God, I didn't know. The king was innocent. Abraham was guilty, but God watched over Abraham. And if that wasn't bad enough, Abraham did the same thing again. He did the exact same thing again. And guess what? God did the same thing. He says, I'll show you grace. If you're here today and you say, I can't be a person of faith. I can't be someone who says yes to God because I've said no to him too many times. I got news for you. It's a lie. You see, when God makes a promise, he's the one that makes the covenant. He signs his name. He's the one that says, I'm the one that fulfills my promises. And it's not dependent on your behavior. I'm the one that fulfills the promise to you people of God let me encourage you if you're here today and you say you know what I just feel distant I feel like I'm, I'm separated that might be because there's areas of your life where God is saying I am not asking you to obey because I'm a tyrant I'm asking you to obey because I want a closer walk with you Today, God is calling your name. God is calling your name and he's saying, hey, come on. Come on, take a step of faith. You see, God is not concerned about our comfort. He's not concerned about us understanding. He's not worried about that. God, he wants us to be close to him. And so he gives us opportunities to say, God, I believe in you. I trust in you. And even when my circumstances don't make sense, even when I'm scared, I know I can trust in you. And one step of faith leads to another step of faith, leads to a man and a woman of God. God is calling you out and he's giving you another chance and he's saying, hey, will you say yes? Come on, let's stand to our feet. Today, 
God has given you an opportunity to just say, God, I want to start afresh. I want to be the one that says yes, no matter what. I want to be the one that says it doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter if it's comfortable. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. It doesn't matter if it lines up. God, today, I want to just be obedient and I want to say, God, you have your way. You do what you want to do in my life because I belong to you. And faith, it says yes. And there's so many things that faith doesn't need in order to obey. And so, God, I'm just going to come to you and I'll say, yes, God, I'll obey. Come on, lift up your hands. If that's you and your heart is open to God, just begin to sing and just say, God, I want to surrender to you. I surrender. I surrender. I want to know. and I want to obey at a totally different level. If that's you and you say, God, we got a couple moments here. I just want to open up the altars. And if you're saying, God, I want someone to pray for me. I want to just, I want to just re, I want to redo this thing. I want to say, God, I want you to do something brand new. Or maybe you're just holding on to a promise. Maybe you've been walking in it. You're just saying, God, I want a new level of saying yes to you. Even as I'm standing, waiting for that promise, even as I've been say yes in a new place. If that's you, come on, I just want you to slip out of your seats and come to the altar. We're going to have a moment of prayer. We're going to pray for each other. But if that's you and you say, God, I want a new level of obedience. I want to go to a new place and saying yes.
Hallelujah. Do something fresh in us, oh God. Take us deeper in you, oh God. We want our yes to go deeper. We want our yes to go deeper, God. We want to say yes to anything, oh God. We want to listen to your voice at a new place, oh God. We want to be able to receive your word at a new level, oh God. No more stipulations. follow you, God. Follow you, God. We obey you, God. We're sensitive to your will, oh God. Jesus. You know, if you're here today and there's a promise that God has made, there's something that you're praying for that you're holding on to, and you've been waiting and you've been faithful and you're just you're just holding on you're believing for something it doesn't mean that you've never wavered or you've never made a mistake but you're holding on you're believing for the promise and there's something that you have if you, wherever you are if you're here and there's something maybe you've been holding this thing for 10 years 30 years it doesn't matter if you say i'm contending for something there's something that I am believing God for, and I know that he's gonna come through. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hand real quick. We just wanna be able to pray for you. Okay, almost, all right, praise the Lord. You know what, it's almost all of us. Just, just grab the hand of the person next to you. Listen, listen to this really quick. The word of God builds faith, okay? Listen, Abraham was looking forward to a city with foundations built by God. Abraham did not see the fulfillment of the promise in his lifetime, but he lived his life in faith, believing that God was going to fulfill it. Our faith cannot be just on the immediate fulfillment. Our faith, it has to take a hold of the eternal and say, God, I know that in you all prayers will be answered. In you all answers will come. God, I know even if I don't see it today, even if I don't see it tomorrow, I'm holding on to your promises because you never fail. You never fail. And this is what we're going to pray. We're going to pray, God, bring it about bring it about. We are going to contend for each other. <laughs> I want you to pray for the person next to you. I want you to pray, God, give them grace to hold on. Give them more faith to believe, to keep on believing for the impossible, to keep on believing for that thing that they have been contending for. Now I want you to turn to the right and to the left, and I want you to pray with all your heart. Say, God, give them faith like Abraham.
Jesus. Lord, we worship you. We worship you, Father God. We exalt you, Jesus. Lord, there is none like you, oh God. Lord, we lift your name on high, oh God. You are worthy of praise, honor, and glory, Jesus. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters today, Father God. Lord, we pray right now, Father God, that you would increase faith, oh God. Increase our faith, oh God, to believe you, oh God. For to believe, oh God, even God. Lord, we pray for faith, oh God, despite, oh God, the details. We pray for faith despite the comfort, oh God. We pray, oh God, right now, oh God, and we believe as it is done, oh God. Lord, because we know that if you said it, it is done, oh God. Lord, we believe you, Lord. You're not as man, oh God, and you should lie. We believe you at your word, Jesus. So, Lord, we pray right now, oh God, strengthen our hearts, oh God. Strengthen our minds, oh God. Strengthen our God, because every step of the way, oh God, you are there, oh God. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. Only you alone are worthy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you, God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. He always answers. He always answers. Amen. Well, why don't you step away from your seat or give somebody a hug. Give them a high five or whatever you want to do. Give them some love.